0: in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, we rejoice today to celebrate the festival of the Holy Trinity, and with that, uh, all the work that the Lord does through the persons of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that the Lord is busy doing all these things of creating, and redeeming, sanctifying, preserving all this work of the Holy, all the work of God that involves all the persons of of the Godhead, as as we confess in the, the Athanasian Creed that uh, this God is doing quite a bit around us. and It's what uh, St. Paul is getting at in the text from Romans, that uh, these these ways and these thoughts of the Lord are unsearchable and inscrutable. They, they are too deep for us to even begin to plumb and, and understand. So we, we do as best as we can. We get something like the Athanasian Creed out of that, where we get just up to the to the limit of our understanding of what's going on with the Holy Trinity. But one of the things that we want to zoom in on as far as his work is that his work always involves a particular thing. Whether the Lord is creating, or whether he is redeeming, or whether he is sanctifying, sanctifying, or whether he's preserving, the Lord is always doing that via the same vehicle through the Word. The Lord creates, we remember, in the beginning, through the Word. In the beginning was uh, in the beginning, God was, uh, sorry, in the beginning was the Lord, and uh, the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. Sorry, I kind of butchered the first part of that. Uh, and so everything that God makes comes about as uh, the God, deci- God decides there's going to be something, and he speaks it into existence. And then, as far as our redemption, this happens also through the word, we should remember, but now the word in a little bit different way, that this is now the word in the flesh, in Jesus that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and all things were made through him without him was not anything made that was made and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only son of the father full of grace and truth and then the holy spirit continue or the the lord continues to come to us especially through the work of the holy spirit to sanctify us to make us holy and the way that he makes us holy zoe makes everything holy is through his word speak this word to us This is getting us to the connection that exists between the first commandment that deals with God himself and the second and third commandments that deal with the Lord's church. That there is one God, and you're not him. And this God has a name, and this God speaks, and we respond in kind. But also that this God, who's not you, who speaks and gives you his name, gives us particular things to do with that, and strikes at particular aspects of us. The first commandment strikes at our heart, that we would fear and love and trust in God above all things, that our heart and our mind would be oriented chiefly toward God. And then the Lord orients our ears and our lips. He orients our ears to hear his word, to receive his name, And then he gives our lips to speak back out the same thing. And this is then, fundamentally, the task of the Christian. To hear and to repeat. You are, dear saints, functionally parrots. In case you didn't know. Sorry. The Lord speaks. You listen. And you repeat it. This is, in fact, what's going on with catechesis. If you don't know this word... Um, catechize, catechesis, catechumen, all of this comes from this word "catecheto." You can hear that echo word that's in there that gets at this idea of repeating the same words throughout the generations over and over and over. They're the same things, the same truths, because they're from the same God who doesn't change, giving us the same gifts that don't change, because he's bringing us all into the same eternal reality, which also doesn't change. This is what's, in fact, happening in the Old Testament text with with, uh, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is brought into what's called the divine council. He's given to come in and uh, be in the presence of and listen to the Lord speaking, talking to himself, which you can do if you are three persons. And he's talking about the work that he's going to be doing for humanity. And he's talking about that that work needs to be proclaimed to his people. And Isaiah, at this, laments Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I can't say these things. My, my lips can't bear them. Isaiah is given to hear these things and repeat them, but he's afraid to do so for a couple of reasons. One, it seems that he's afraid of what exactly is going to happen if these pure and clean words come from his sinful lips. What's going to happen? Do the words become corrupted? Do his lips, like, get destroyed in the process? We don't know. But nonetheless, he's afraid to speak these things. And so the Lord has to come and console him and tell him, Behold, This is touched your lips. Angel takes the coal from the altar, which is a picture of the Lord's word, touches it to Isaiah's lips, and he says, Behold, this is touched your lips. They are clean. Your guilt is forgiven and your sin is atoned for. That is, go and say these things to my people. Go and speak my words that you have heard. This, by the way, if you don't know, this is what makes a prophet. Prophets are not ones that tell the future. Prophets are those who listen, are are given the privilege to listen to the conversation God is having and to repeat that conversation to his people. That's what the prophets do. They, they don't predict things of their, of their own imagination that are going to happen. They just happen to be true because God blesses them. They hear God planning out what he is going to do, and then they tell the people, this is what the Lord's going to do. It's like if I say, uh, if I just announce, hey, later on, um, I'm going to go bowling, and then you go and you tell your friend, hey, I think later on, pastor's going to go bowling. You're not predicting the future. You're just repeating what I told you I'm going to do. The same thing's happening with the the Lord and the prophets. They're listening to him and they're repeating it. The same thing's going on for us. It's just we aren't given privilege to listen to the divine counsel. We are given the privilege to listen to the Holy Scriptures, to hear those words, which are the divine counsel written down, and to repeat those things. But we suffer from the same problem with Isaiah. Isaiah. We are afraid to say these things. If we're, if we're honest, we are afraid to say these things because we are afraid of what exactly might happen if we speak the Lord's truth. What the reaction to that might be in any given situation. It makes us uncomfortable. Uh, there, there's, I don't know if you guys have ever watched this, there's a uh, YouTube uh, channel called Lutheran Satire. It's one of my favorite things. You should go and watch it. Particularly, today is Holy Trinity Sunday, so you should go and watch, if nothing else, it is required as Lutherans that you go on Holy Trinity Sunday and watch St. Patrick's Bad Analogies. That is a requirement in order to be a good Lutheran. So just go watch it. It's great. There's another one on there in which uh, Connell and Donnell, who are the people that are introduced in that video, are uh, engaging with these Mormon missionaries and they confront them with uh, the, the truth regarding uh, the, the some falsehood that they've brought up and they say, so are you going to you know repent? And they say, you know, you know, no, you know, that would make my, my mom angry if, if we did this. My mom would be really upset if I converted from Mormonism. And they said, so just to get this straight, you're more afraid of your mother than you are of the eternal God. And they said, oh yeah, definitely, right? I, this is kind of our problem though, right? We are more afraid of what the reaction is going to be by those around us than we are of what the reaction is of God when we don't speak the truth of his word, or especially when we, when we use our lips for something that they're not intended for, right? Which is what falsehood is. Any sort of falsehood is not what our lips are intended for. It's not why he gives us lips. He doesn't give us ears to listen to falsehood. He doesn't give our eyes to look at falsehood, none of these things. These things are all directed at the Lord's goodness and his beauty and his truth. So this is one of the things that the devil is always coming along and he's doing. He is coming along to corrupt the good things that God has given to us. God has given to us, our body and our souls, our eyes, ears, and all our members, our reason, and all our senses still takes care of them. These are good gifts that God gives to us. They're part of the very good of creation. And in the fall, they are somewhat corrupted by our sin, but the devil comes along and he kind of urges that corruption on a little bit more. So we use these things for stuff that they're not supposed to be used for. Uh, for our lips, that is especially the case in either speaking False doctrine. Uh, this is uh, Luther brings this up in the Large Catechism that the the worst breaking of the second commandment is false doctrine because it ascribes to the Lord's name a lie. So we should be aware of this. This this is the worst way in which we can misuse God's name is with false doctrine. But then also we have on the other side of this uh, we have the breaking of the of the uh, or the misuse of our lips in the eighth commandment which governs our speaking to one another and upholding each other's good name, right? That we should fear and love God so we do not betray or slander our neighbor or hurt his reputation, but uh, speak well of him and explain everything in the kindest way, right? That we're given our, to use our lips in a particular way towards our neighbor, not to tear them down, but to build them up. And this, in fact, one of the very interesting things is when you, when you look through the lists of sins, there's uh, a, a common one that tends to sit all throughout, and that is the sin of the the lips or the sin of the tongue, including, uh, there's this one that we don't too much like because we don't like the Lord talking this way, but it it is there. This is in Proverbs 6. Uh, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. So these are like a very particularly important list, the things that the Lord hates and that are an abomination to him. And listen to how many of these things deal with our speaking. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. There are at least three of those that are explicitly with the tongue. You can make the argument that there's six out of the seven. This should instruct us on how serious the sins of the tongue actually are. I think what happens is we get, as we go, are going through the commandments, we kind of get tired the further on we get, which is why we don't consider coveting to really be that big of a deal because we've gotten tired by the time we get to the ninth and 10th and we're like, okay, let's, let's just get to the end of the commandments already and get on to other stuff. But these are all equally important. And when that happens, this is where they get very dangerous because we think that these things are not immensely damaging to us. Now, if you have any doubt as to whether or not something like gossip, for example, is damaging, just think back to a time in which you have been on the receiving end of that gossip and it, it stings quite a bit. It kind of hits you in your gut uh, when you find out that, that people are, are gossiping and spreading falsehoods about you. This is the quickest way to tear apart any sort of relationships that exist between us. It's the fastest way to do it, and the devil knows it. So he's going to urge our tongues to do this, to do what they're not intended to do, and to actually cause divisions among us. Instead, though, if this is a fascinating thing, there are a bunch of texts in the scriptures that deal with the positive use of the tongue, and they will use pictures like uh, the, the the honey dripping from the uh, from the tongue, right? And who doesn't like you know a mouthful of honey, right? It's delicious. This is this picture. There's a sweetness that comes from the speaking of the Lord's word to one another and speaking truth to one another. That's the proper use of our tongue. And that's what the Lord gives us to do in this pattern of hearing what he says and repeating it. Right? We're, not, we're not given to just make up whatever words we want to use. If we are left with that, we'd come up with all sorts of weird things. Instead, it's pretty easy. The Lord says, listen to this and say the same thing to each other. And this is true certainly in the law and encouraging one another to live God-pleasing and Holy Christian lies, but this is especially true in the gospel because it's the only place that we will ever hear this. The law can be found in nature. There is a natural law that exists. The gospel can only be found through the preaching of the scriptures, through the speaking of God's word to one another. This is what we are given to use our lips especially for, to drip that, that sweet honey, that sweet nectar from our lips to one another so that when we encounter a brother or sister who is hurting, that we can console them with the salve of the gospel when, when we uh, encounter someone whose conscience has been burdened by their sins, we can pronounce the absolution to them. Jesus has died for that sin that you are so concerned about. His blood covers even that. You are, dear brother, dear sister, forgiven. That, that is how we use our tongues. And that, instead of dividing, unites us together even more firmly than, than anything else possibly can. This goes back to last week with Pentecost. What are the apostles, the disciples preaching? What are they using their lips for as the Holy Spirit gives them to speak in tongues they haven't studied? The mighty works of God. That has not changed. That is is always the goal of the church. And God be praised for that. Because that is in fact why every single one of us is sitting here. Someone along the way has used their lips in a God-pleasing way to speak God's word into your ears. So that it hits your ears and through that your mind And your heart, your whole being, and then comes back out of your mouth too. That's what's been happening the whole divine service so far. You have been repeating what the Lord has given you to speak. You're here because of somebody else's lips being used rightly. And this is our encouragement then, to continue listening to this counsel of God, to continue listening to what the Lord preaches to us in, in the entirety of it, and repeat that back to one another so that we would be built up and rooted in this one faith, not only now, but especially into the eternal riches of the Resurrection. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.